Well, I'm so excited to have Ben Newman on the podcast today because he is the real deal. He is a mental performance coach who specializes in business and sports. Uh, He does almost every major NFL team. He does actually the biggest college football team, Alabama team, Alabama football, college football with Nick Saber. He is the real deal. He's got a mental toughness camp and he's going to tell us some great practical ways to get mentally tough and to be, you know, to level up your game, you know, excuse the pun. So thank you for coming on. (laughs) I'm so excited to be with you and your energy is contagious. And just every time you have a show, it's you get real with people. And that's what I like. I don't like any of that sugar coated stuff. I like the real stuff. So I'm excited. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That's such a compliment coming from you. I appreciate it. I mean, first of all, this whole podcast and what I I'm, I'm obsessed with anything about mental performance, how to how to kind of level up your game, how to become a better version of yourself. And we were saying off of this podcast, there are so many people out there who say or claim that they could help help someone do that. And the reality is, it's actually not true. Most people this are not the real deal. And that's why with you, you've been doing this for 13 years. You've been speaking to the biggest companies, to the biggest teams. So I want you to kind of tell us, number one, how you started this business and what makes you such an expert in mental toughness and performance. Well, I appreciate you highlighting everything that everybody wants to hear, (laughs) but the reality is I believe the opportunity to sit with you and to be with your listeners is a direct result of the fact I've been through some tough stuff in my life. Right. And I had to grow up fast and I've had great mentors and coaches who picked me up off that mat of life on the days that I didn't want to do it. So I'm an emotional guy, so just be careful with the questions you That's ask. That's okay. I like I'm, emotion. I'm a uh, cry-when-you-watch-extreme-home-makeovers <laughs> kind of a guy. So, I, I, But I had to grow up fast, so a lot of my mentors called me an old soul. Right. And at six months old, parents were divorced, never knew my parents together. Uh, by five years old, my mother had been diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis. Mm. So each and every single one of us, in your muscles, you have amyloids. If you have an excess of amyloids, you have amyloidosis. At the time of her diagnosis, and even still today, there's no cure for the disease. So there were two hospitals in the United States treating the disease. My mom goes to the Boston Medical Center, Mm -hmm. and a woman by the name of Dr. Skinner looks my mother dead square in her big brown eyes and says, you have two to four years to live. And she had two young boys at home. Right. And she tells her, you're only the second woman under 40 years old we've ever seen or heard of having this disease. And my mom takes out an old blue mead notebook because how we respond to challenge and adversity, that's what determines the story we write. Right. Right. Everybody wants to hear the companies and the teams I work with, but like I had to go through some stuff in order to fight through it, to learn what it takes to have a conversation with people performing at a high level. Absolutely. I get it from my mom. My mom takes out this journal and she writes, beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with a disease that is chronic and fatal, believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life. And my mother's purpose was so significant that even though literally we were watching her die before our eyes, 24-hour nursing care in the home, her little TV room was turned into a hospital room. She'd come to the dinner table every single night without fail to ask my brother and I how our days were at school. So to me, I had to grow up fast and my mother taught me how to fight. And on November 2nd, 1986, she took the pen that she was writing with in her journal and she passed it on to my brother and I to be able to continue to share her story, to share her fight. And for me, that's whether I'm with a player or I'm with an executive from a Fortune 500 company, I'm with a young lady who just started a multi-million dollar business, like they're going to get my heart, they're going to get my passion, they're going to get my fire because that's all I know. Right. 
and you and, and it was instilled in you at such a young age. So what happened with your with everything with your mom and did I mean she passed away? So she passed away November second, nineteen eighty six. So she lived for how many after they died? She was thirty eight years old. She lived a little over three and a half years. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's that's I'm sorry to hear that. So then I'm like actually tearing up because that's like a that's a powerful story and that really was like she was the one who basically instilled in you what what's important and how to kind of uh, go through life, I guess, right? So my my um, my fight of my life it's it's my mom. Like we have a, a show called The Burn and like my burn every day and people don't understand. They're like, "Wow, you were so young. Do you remember?" I'm like, "You're damn right, I remember." Right. Like I remember crystal clear vacate. My mom would go to Boston for treatment and she would take me with her and plan these amazing family trips. She's dying. She has no strength to do that. Right. So it's like, that's, that's my fight. That's where my burn comes from because I believe that we all have this burn that lies inside that actually lights your purpose and your why on fire. So many people that do what I do, they forget that. Right. You can talk about purpose, but if you don't connect to that burn, that's going to cause you to go do something about it. And every single day I think about my mom which causes me to want to be my very best when I'm sitting here with you. Right. I want to be my very best with my kids, with my wife. I just want to be the best I can be every day, but we all have to connect to that burn, which causes you to want to go do something in your life every day. So, right. And also what I hear you say, besides the burn, is that to get to that next level of greatness, you people need an authentic purpose because without that that, that, that nugget, it's, it, it's hard. You can't do it. Right. It becomes, it's not, it's not genuine. It's not authentic. And you know, I encourage like the people who are trying to skip the steps to skip the yeah. habits, to skip the hustle right, that right, it takes. Right. Like we can all have a dream and a vision, everything we want, but if you don't have a willingness to pull that down, put it right in front of your face and consistently connect to the behaviors of your mind, Everybody right. thinks it's just the work. Forget the work. We can't even talk about the work until I understand how your heart beats, how right. your mind works. And until I connect your heart and your head, forget about the work. And that's the piece that I think people want to skip. They just want to hustle it. It's like, no, 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 you're, you don't get it. Like, there's no easy way to get to where you want to go. Right. You have to consistently show up and do the things mentally and cause that cause you to get fired up. Your purpose. How many people do you sit down with and they give you a purpose and it's like, like, was that read out of a book? Like, right, right, Did you right. write that for your boss? Right. Like, they saw it on Instagram somewhere. It's not authentic. Right. It's not authentic. It's not vulnerable. So who's going to connect to that? But how do you teach that? So I guess my, I, I always ask the same question is that, do you, if people don't have an innate way of connecting to that, right? When you go in to see a team or you go in to see, you know, Microsoft or all the other people that you, you, you work with, how do you teach somebody? How do you teach somebody to find something within them if they cannot find it themselves? So I start by sharing my story. Right. And, you know, there's, there's other parts to my story too. I mean, it's, it, people hear what I just shared and they're like, oh my gosh. Right. Like, how, well, my father moves back into the house. My dad had his own set of challenges. So here I am battling and witnessing my father's challenges. Luckily, nine months after having to see some of his challenges, he was able to do what was necessary to raise two boys. And he's been a tremendous example of overcoming those types of Mm -hmm. challenges and adversity. So like I saw it. I mean, I hit rock bottom by eight years old. So by the time I share that with somebody, what I hope they gather and what's been a big blessing because we work on building deep relationships is you have a player or a business professional walk up and say, hey, can I talk to you? And a lot of times it's that one-on-one conversation where I could say, yeah, what's up? And they may share something with me that there have been other psychiatrists, there have been, th- there have been people, but they haven't done it because maybe those individuals didn't have a story, right? So I right. open it up. I go for the heart. 
And what you end up finding when you go for the heart is people are going to open up and they're going to want to share. And that's what I encourage people to do because we all have a story. Right. Everybody watching right now, I'm not the only person that has a story. Right. No, Each I and agree. every single one of us has a story. But like, do you find there's a through line like with all these people who who have achieved greatness or who want to keep on achieving greatness? Is there like one through line you see in everybody? Like, does everyone seem to have some kind of adversity in their life at some point that make them want there's, to fight? There's a lot of, a right? lot of it is. I've seen that yeah. to be like the case myself. A lot of it is adversity. And you know, right. a lot of times it's an athlete, right? As hard right. as you train in the gym, recognition you've received in the fitness industry, right? Writing books that you have on fitness. Like, so when you think about what you've done, like if somebody says to you, hey, let's go grow this, let's go do something together. You're like, I, I know what your answer. You'd be like, oh, we got to go figure out exactly what we're going to do. What are the reps? Like what are, it, you're going right. to go figure it out. Most people don't want to do that piece, right? Right. And so people either understand habits, they understand hustle, right? Right, right. Or they've been through challenge and adversity. And to me, that's what you typically find are the common denominators of the highest performers. They came from a world of athletics. Right. Or they've been through some significant challenge and adversity that gave them perspective. See, so like even when I was a financial advisor, if you say no to me on the phone, it's like you better come with some stronger heat than that if <laughs> right, you think right, you're going right. to break my ass. I mean, right. with what I saw, like no means nothing to me. I will pick up the phone and I will call somebody else. I know. So I feel like exactly. So then, And also I think that because... At some point in some in my life, or maybe obviously your life, there was something that happened where you felt like you have to, you have to, for me, it's like, I felt like I had to prove something. So therefore I would always work harder and harder or, um, for my own, for my own self validation. Right. But how do you, t like, again, like when you walk in somewhere to a company and you do like a speak, like, how do you, what are the, what are the steps? So if someone didn't have adversity and they were just like <clears> a nice, normal life, and they kind of, you know, are kind of trudging along life, but they really do want to like increase their performance. What do you do? So like, we actually have, there's six proven mental training tools that we use. And I always do a bad job of selling my books and my materials. <laughs> I give them away for free. So, because okay. this energy is just awesome. And I love what you're doing and what you're taking out to the world. Everybody listening can go get it for free. So I'll make sure that oh, you guys wow. have that link at freeplaybook.net. But literally the six tools we use, the book I wrote on it, I'll make sure that everybody has a link to get it for free. And within that book, it takes people through attaining belief in yourself, which is, we got to talk about the truth. Right. You know, everybody wants to hide from the truth or the authentic, like, how did you get to where you are? Right. If you're not where you want to be, why? Let's have a real kind of, why aren't you where you want to be? So right. we got to connect to that truth piece. So you strip it down to the Strip to, it to all the, the way down, place. yes. So, so everyone has to start from like the raw place of where they if are. If you don't tell me the excuses that you're telling yourself, if you don't tell me the doubts, the fears, the uncertainties, the pain that's holding you back, if we can't strip that away to let that go, how are we going to be able to talk about the habits that are going to cause you to get to the next level of right. your success? We have to start there with the truth of why you are where you are. So these six tools... Your following can have them. I hope they enjoy them. But that's what I take them, to a team. Run, run them down. Like just so say, it's attaining belief in yourself. Okay. It's your I am statements. It's the power to reframe. It's your prize fighter day coupled with your prize fighter day morning, which I know you're going to want to talk about. Right, right. And then it's your legacy statement and then building your environment for greatness. And it's the exact tools that we use with athletes and business professionals. And it's what I take to Microsoft is the exact same tools that I use in sports.
Wow. So then what, so the mental toughness camp that you, you right, tell it, talk a little bit about that. I'm curious. Yeah. So we've done boot camps. I mean, they started back in St. Louis in 2009 and people okay. would come there. And then I was like, oh, you know, people don't want to come to St. Louis for these things. So we started doing them in Vegas and we would do them in the Dominican. We do them in the Virgin Islands. And so we do boot camps where people come to us. And then sometimes an organization will bring me to them, right? And, so and it'll be a full blown. It? So we will literally go through those mental training tools and really help people strip away those doubts, those uncertainties, those things that hold you back. I mean, it's a deep dive right. into, hey, we're not just going to have some emotion. Like, I want to come and make a difference. Right. Because if I don't come and make a difference, if I don't leave you with the tools that are going to cause change, then just bringing me in to speak, that's not enough. There has to be long-term growth and sustainability from our work together. Otherwise, I'm not helping you connect to your legacy. And that's that's what it is for me. Right. Right. If I'm going to continue writing my mother's story... I want to make a difference with you, get you to think differently, show up differently in your life to do the things that are necessary to go write the story that you want. That's what legacy is. Right. So it, it's it's pretty intense. And a lot of the football programs that I work with, I mean, I'll come in for three straight days. Now, given, I mean, right. I'm intertwined in between no, no, lifts and running. Saying, and No, walk me through. I'm curious. I'm sure other people are curious. <clears throat> like, what happens in three days? Like, I know that you, you say these, it sounds all like viable, like you, you have to strip it away and then you got to find your purpose and you got to reframe. And, but besides just saying it, so we what want, the, we, what's the practical, how does someone actually do it? So you're giving me permission to be long-winded. I guess I am giving you permission to be long-winded. I sure am. I'm long-winded. Why not? You can, you can be my partner in that. So for me, we, we go in and we start. I'll share that story in the emotion. And okay. the goal there is by me sharing my emotion, they're going to connect to theirs, right? So okay. they start to think like, okay, he's been through some stuff. I've been through some stuff. Okay, right. I got that and one. And then down. I'll start to ask them those questions. So what is your burn? What is your purpose? And we'll have action steps. They're going to have worksheets. They're literally going to write it down. So you see them, they're going to work. And the moment you see that pen hit that paper... Now we're going to work and we know that we're working towards something. Right. And then there's all different questions that we ask. You know, the empowering people to believe that you've already achieved something before it's happened. So I call that an I am statement. Okay. So an I am statement is an affirmation. I am. And so you'll set a really big goal. And I could give you, you could say, Ben, who are you? Right. So an I am statement is an answer to a who are you question. Well, I can answer based upon things I've already achieved or the things I believe I can achieve. So which do you put more significant action behind? Who you already are and what you've already done or what you believe you can achieve? So it's inspiring them to think bigger, right? So now we get purpose. Now we're getting them to think bigger than they ever have. I could come on here for weeks and give you stories of I am statements that have happened with athletes and business professionals. It's incredible. And then the power to reframe. It's teaching them to be solution-based thinkers. So rather than focusing on the negative, focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. So in psychology, there's what's called expectancy theory. That which you focus on expands. Mm -hmm. If you focus on negative, you get more negative. You focus on positive, you get more positive, right? right? Before we came on camera and right now, we are just, I mean, this is intentional, positive energy, right? <laughs> Yet if we would have taken a negative tone, yeah, we can go to negative. But who wants to live there? But too many people do. So teaching them, be a solution-based thinker. I'm not telling you to live in la-la land and don't have emotion. Right. But we got to teach you to overcome it and shift back to that perspective. Like I've done in my life, I think about my mom's story coming to the dinner table with an IV stand. Like, okay, I'll go do something that's positive. Right, right, I, right, I've right. Been, I've been through worse. And then we help them build out what we call your prize fighter day, which I know with those boxing gloves over there, you'll like that. <laughs> so I get that from my mom, right? So my mom was a prize fighter to me. You know, I've worked with... UFC champions. And right. I always joke with one of my buddies who was the UFC welterweight champ, Tyron Woodley. Yeah. 
I always joke with Tyron, I'm like, you had nothing on my mom. I'm like, my mom is so much tougher than you. So right, right. even though prize fighters, this tough analogy, my mom is the one who created the prize fighter day, right? right. It's, it's the mindset of giving your best every day, winning one day at a time, because I can't control yesterday, nor do I want the successes of yesterday to determine how I show up today. I don't want the pain of yesterday to determine how I show up today. And I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. So we help people actually outline what it looks like to win every day mm -hmm. with balance, personally, professionally, and in your service to others. I am sick and tired of the speakers and coaches who are out there saying balance doesn't exist. Just work really, really hard and take time off. And typically what you find, that's an excuse because maybe they aren't showing up the way they need to be mm -hmm. in their lives. Right, right? Right. Maybe they aren't working out the way they need to. Maybe they've let their health go. Maybe they're not paying attention to nutrition. So we help people intentionally design what their days look like. Okay. Personally, working out, eating, being present and focused with your family, right? Because there was a period of time for me, I'd come home, I'd be in a, this back when I was a financial advisor, I'd come home. I'm in a suit, I'm maybe on a phone call, I'm typing out a last email, I've got two kids at home, I'm grabbing the mail, I'm going to change, 20 minutes later, I'm like, okay, dad's home? Like, that was unacceptable. Right. And I had a coach, I still have two coaches who help me, right? Because we're really? never, absolutely, right? we're never you. a finished product. And Tiger so Woods has a coach. I mean, yeah, everyone, people, you have to, if you really want to grow. Well, people at the best, you know, want to continue being their best. So you Correct. need to have somebody who kind of keeps you accountable and gives you new tools constantly to evolve, right? And to also help you see the things that maybe you're not paying right, attention to. Right, the blind to. spots. Yeah, right. I'm coming home. I'm not present and focused with the greatest gift God's ever given me, my kids. Right. So he was like, no, 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 you need to stop that. So now, you know, when I come home, the first thing I do, I'm getting in my daughter's face, asking her how her day was at school. I'm getting in my son's face, asking how his day was at school. I'm getting in my wife's face, asking, she's like, get out of here, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm more intentional, right? So you change these little things if they mean something to you. So you can have balance. Right. And then you break down, like people say, oh, I want all these big things in business. Okay, what does it cause, what does it take for you to win? Everybody knows what their wins look like, but most people aren't willing to slow down, break down the game film of their life, figure out what's caused you to make sales, what's caused you to win games, and just focus on that every day. Like We can win more yeah. by focusing on the habits that drive success rather than allowing our mindset to hold us back. Right. So, so that's what we do. We help people build those days. So then if you do, so you keep on saying though, it's not just habits. We said, I, I, when I read some stuff about yep. you, it's not just changing your habits. It's also changing your behavior. And changing the way you think. Right. And changing yeah. the way you think. But right, but don't you change the way you think and change your behavior by changing those habits? Yes. They work together. You can't get one without the other. So I talk, this is one of my favorite things whenever I start a one-on-one -on -one coaching engagement with somebody. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, it's been a blessing that the individuals I work with are already performing at a very, very high level. So the right. person who reaches out, sports and business, they're already, they're making probably an income that people dream of, right? right? They're, they're already at a certain level. They're basically. already at a yeah. certain level. And to me, you're coming for a reason, right? We want to get you to that next level. And I always ask them, so how often do you connect to your purpose? And I'm telling you like, Jen, it's like eight out of nine, nine out of 10 times. They're like, I don't, I don't really, I don't know if I have clarity on my purpose. I don't connect to my purpose. And I say, this is actually really good news. And they're like, good news. What are you talking about? I said, do you know how unbelievably talented you are? I said, you have gotten to your level of success connecting to no purpose. I said, can you imagine what's going to happen when we get to that fire that lies inside of you? I said, we're going to the next level. And you start connecting to that purpose and that fire that lies inside of you. You haven't even scratched the surface of what you're going to be able to do. And then it lights this new fire. Right, and then you help them design a purpose statement. And then they build the behavior of now they wake up and they connect to their purpose. They connect. Now they want to go help other people 
achieve success. Right. So guess what? Without even thinking about your income, your income is going to go up because now you want to impact other people. It's not just about you anymore. Right. And those are the conversations that are fun. Right. Because you have somebody who's already done it. They could easily go, I'm content. I make a great income. No, they want that hunger. They want to get to that next level. And often it starts with this. It does. But I think also that it's, they want that, like you said, they want the hunger. They, they have that hunger. They have that drive. And I always go back to, so does that mean someone like you, a performance coach or someone like that, is it really for people who are already at a certain level of success? Can someone who is at a job they don't love or in a, in a relationship they don't love, like, can they, how do they use or value, how do they, how can they use and utilize what you are or someone like you yep. when they're not at that place, even at a level, at that place to even level up again? This is, I mean? Yeah, so I'm going to give you an answer that you probably wouldn't expect, but it's going to be super fun because okay. it'll connect to okay. that person who's hearing that. That makes sense though, right? So, oh, 100%. Okay. So I, fresh out of college, I was okay. a paper broker, just okay. like Steve Carell in the office. <laughs> and so I was, I was in Chicago. I had chased my college sweetheart. So I was with her from sophomore year of college. So I go, I become a paper, literally selling truckloads of paper around the country. Probably not going to be my end-all, right. be-all career, but I made the most of every moment where I was. And that's what I would, like, if you're not in the job that you think is your final job, don't complain about it and not show up. Go and make the most of it. Yeah. And I learned so many skills that I still use today. Courage to pick up the telephone. All of these things that I still use. No fear when it comes to reaching out to that big client for potential business. I have no fear for that because I built those disciplines right. as a 22, 23, 24-year-old kid in a job that was not my first for end-all, be-all job. Right, right, So number right. one, you got to show up where you are, right? Because if somebody says, well, I can't hire a coach right now, fine. Then let's have two easy action steps. Show up where you are. And then the other thing was, I was engaged for 13 hours to that college <laughs> sweetheart, right? 13 hours? 13 You're hours. Engaged? engaged for 13 hours. Wow. So literally, we got engaged one night. The next night, we wake up. Limo picks us up, and, and I take her... Uh, take her friends and we're going and we're celebrating, drop her off at home. An hour later, she calls me, she doesn't want to be engaged anymore. So at that moment, right? What so did you, you do? <laughs> so I went home and you're just like, what do you mean? Like we talked about rings and this, we've been together all these years. Like we talked about this. And I look back on it now, because in that moment, right? You're in the job that maybe isn't the future job right. for you. You just have your heart broken. I'm thinking to myself, like, will I ever date again? Will I... And like sometimes we get so caught up in that moment that you don't realize that's part of your story. Right. Jen, I wouldn't be here with you right now if she would have said yes. Isn't that There's, amazing? So, right. so don't get so caught up in I'm stuck where I am. Make the most of where you are. Like I learned what I do and what I don't want. I'll now be married 13 years in November. Wow. Right. right. And it's not, it's it's not perfect. True. It's very hard. My wife is a hard charging driven executive at Anheuser Bush InBev. So we're two type A personalities that are getting oh, after I know it every that day. So, it, yes. so it's hard, but we get so caught up in I'm in the middle of this challenge in adversity. So my job was not the job I was gonna have. The relationship was not the relationship I was supposed to be in. And here I am thinking 23, 24. Or, you know, 25 years old, like, where's my life? Right, 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 right. But I had to go through that. 
right. to have the opportunity to sit with you today. I had to go through all of it. So I would say to everybody, embrace where you are right now. Learn as much as you can. Surround yourself with people who love you and support you no matter who you're with, right. no matter who you're working for. Well, I think it's very, I think your environment and the people you surround yourself with, with is ex- extremely important because that's how you, that's, that's how, when you, when you move up or whatever in your world, that's basically, you are going to be a product of the five people they say who you're closest to around you. Right. So absolutely. So that's, I think you you should be very cognizant of who you put yourself around. Then how did you go from being a financial advisor to now like being a performance coach doing all this (laughs) stuff? Like now, you know, that's, that's a, that's a very big difference, right? Like that's, day-to-day sales, finance. So I'll I'll give you the real answer, not to impress the listeners, but to to, to impress upon the point. So in 2000... impress the listeners, then impress me, please. So in 2004, I started in the financial services industry for a Fortune 100 financial firm. And I was in St. Louis, born and raised St. Louis kid. Right. And I start there and I got off to a really fast start and I set some records. So I'd sold more policies than anybody had sold in their first year and all this crazy stuff and was getting recognition nationally from this company. And finally an office was like, we want you to come and speak in Chicago. So I continue to build this. So it's 2006. I'm a 26 year old kid. And they're like, we will pay you 500 bucks and all your expenses to come and tell us what in the world you're doing. I'm like, this is a thing. Like I can get paid 500 bucks plus a trip to Chicago. I'm 26. I was single at the time. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, wow. And so I go and I fell in love with it. I fell in love not with, hey, here's sales language or here's some prospecting tools. It was more so like I could get real with people and have a conversation that may cause them to think differently, that may cause them to approach every day differently. And even though I didn't have those tools back then, that was part of the process of building those tools. And after that, I would be speaking for coffee cups. I remember when literally I would go and you'd have a coffee and I'm telling my wife, I got this dream. I'm going to be a speaker and a coach. And she's like, honey, coffee cups do not pay the bills. That's right. Right. I'd go to San Diego and you'd get like a picture book and I'd come back and she'd be like, so did you get paid a fee? And I'd be like, no, but they gave me this picture book. And she's like, honey, that picture book is not paying the bills. Right. And so I had to go through all of that in building this business. But I was a high-level financial advisor. I was typically in the top 2% for this company or in the elite clubs and all this. Right, and right, right. So it continued on for years, and I started to grow both businesses. I had the passion for the speaking. I started coaching guys and, and gals in 2008. Then I wrote a book in 2009. And so then it all just starts taking off. You're running two companies at the same time. Right, right, had right. Had employees on both sides of the business. And then finally I woke up and I said, I got to stop trying to control. Oh, I'll put in 50% here and 50% here. Right. And it was around 2010, I started waking up more intentionally. And every day I would tell myself, I got to surrender. I'm just going to surrender to the plan that God has for me. And I just surrendered. And the next thing you know, two years later, I was speaking, writing, coaching 100% of the time, and the rest was history. Wow. Well, it also <clears throat> sounds like you were, you were already gifted as a speaker, and you had the sales background. Like, you were already a good sales guy, and you yep. were, you, you, it kind of, it seems like it kind of happened, it evolved kind of naturally, because you got that opportunity to Correct. speak first, and then you fell in love with it. And then you started doing it, even though you weren't getting paid for it. But you didn't have to, because you're making money on the other end, right? Correct. So you were lucky, in a way. You were very lucky absolutely you know but you and so you had the opportunity yep. and you had the luck and you made did it work for you it. yeah and you did something about yeah. it that's but, the habits piece how many people do you know that you sit down with that they can touch they can taste they can somewhat see the dream absolutely and then they do nothing with it and i hope that's what somebody yeah. gathers from you asking me these awesome questions 
is like, whatever that dream is, go do something about it. Right. If you're stuck in that job you don't want, but you can see this little bit of a dream, put a little action behind it every day. That's absolutely, that's a great point. I think that because people like to, they're dreamers and then they don't have the confidence that they think they can make it actually a reality. So then they stay at their, whatever they're doing because it's comfortable and it's secure. They don't have a safety net. So you had a safety net. So what do you say for people who don't have a safety net, but you're saying to them, take action and try to go after something. But if they don't have that safety net like you did, what, what's the option? What do they do? Well, so I think you have to figure out how you can apply pressure in the areas that are going to cause mm. you to have your vision come true, right? So I've had people reach out who maybe didn't have that safe. I want to be a speaker. I want to be a coach. They didn't have you know, the other career that was paying you a yeah, significant exactly. income where people still think I'm crazy that I walked away from it. Right. And now it's worked out pretty good. It's worked out pretty good. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things I encourage people, take your vacation time. If you want to be a speaker, maybe now you may be working more, but, you know, go and reach out to people and let them know you have a passion to speak. Go have a willingness to speak for free. Like if you have a willingness to mm -hmm. speak for free, somebody's going to let you share your story. There's companies who don't have the budget to hire a speaker and that's going to be your platform. Go test it out. Go grow it. Take time away from work to go and do it. Use your vacate. Find a strategic way to go make it happen rather than making an excuse, well, I can't do that right I, now. I agree with you 100%. I also want to add to that. I also think that people all, every, every single person has <clears throat> something that they're naturally good at. They have a natural talent for. And you know what that is. You have to have some self-awareness to know. And I think a lot of times what people should do is like have that like come to Jesus moment with them. And if they know they're good at something, they should do what you said and start applying it slowly until they can get make a career out of it because Correct. you're never going to be successful at anything that you don't enjoy doing and that's that you correct. don't like doing right so i think that's really really important and for you obviously you were a natural at this and it kind of you were able you had the wherewithal and you also had the drive to make it and the confidence to make it happen well so I appreciate you saying that. No, but I'm not. It's I've the had, truth. Well, no, I've had great mentors and coaches. I'll tell you a great story because sometimes okay. I think people try to be somebody else rather than being themselves. Everyone has to be themselves. So check out this story. You'll, okay. you'll love this story. So uh, my mentor is a guy named John Gordon. Okay. And uh, you got to have John on the show. He is, he is extraordinary. Who is John, John Gordon? John Gordon is amazing. So he, I mean, he works with Clemson football, right? So national championship Clemson versus, you oh, know, Alabama. Okay. One year we get them and then he gets us the next. He works for, also does work with the Rams. He does work he with the Dodgers. Coach? No, he's actually a speaker and a writer. And then, so he'll go in and he'll just do speaking and then he'll work with the coaches and things of that mm, nature as okay. well. Behind the scenes, which is a lot of my work as yeah. well. But I remember when he and I, so he's been my mentor since 2008. See, I told everybody this is not an overnight story. Yeah. So we meet in 2008. 2009, he comes to St. Louis, and me and a couple of guys who are also speakers, we filled at 400 people at the Chase Park Plaza Hotel, and I'm all fired up. Like, it's my first time my mentor's ever going to have the opportunity to hear me speak live, right. right? So all of a sudden, I get done speaking, and I feel like I brought it, right? I'm so energized, and I run up to John, and I'm like, John, like, how did I do? How did I do? And he's like, uh, Ben, we got to talk. And I'm like, what? Like, what? And he says, your message is awesome. Your message is on point. But he's like, brother, you are serious as a heart attack. He's like, you got to just relax. He's like, it's okay to smile on the stage. It's okay to have fun. Right, it's right. okay to tell jokes. And it was like, it was the first time it was just like, just go be you. And now, like, if I'm on camera, I'm like, you're just getting me. Right, right, And sometimes right. my energy might be too much for something. Like, you're just going to get me. You're not, I'm not going to pretend to be somebody else. Right. You're going to get me. And I needed that from my mentor. And I think sometimes people are, you know, they're so tense trying to yeah. be something. Just go be you. 
And I was I so blessed and thankful. And still to this day, he helps me with things like that, right? He keeps me humble, keeps me hungry. Just like my wife. Doesn't matter who I speak to or where I go. I come home. She's like, honey, that guinea pig cage needs to be changed. Exactly. You got to take the dog out. You got to take that trash out. I, I, I want to tell you a funny <laughs> joke. This has nothing to do with... Do you know who Jackie Mason is? He's like this like old, you know, I, I actually do know. Jewish yes, comedian. I do okay? know who he is. Yep. And he makes these funny jokes all the time. Like he made this, he made this joke many, many years ago. And I still think it's hilarious where he's like the big businessman. He's a like, CEO of this company. He's got a thousand employees and everywhere he walks around, it's like, yes, mister, you know, this, yes, mister. That's what, whatever you want, mister. And he comes home and he opens the door for his dinner and he, and his wife is like, you stupid schmuck, you know, <laughs> take out the garbage. Do this. It was hilarious. So anyway, they're just reminding me of truth. that. Yes. It's a hundred percent true and it's, you gotta it's the like truth. exactly like you have to like exactly like you have people who also keep you in check and keep you humble and keep you you know in that place that's why I and I'm, that. I'm a real dude I'm a dad I'm a friend I want to be the best husband I can be I'm not giving motivational speeches on the table after dinner you right know right, I mean? right like, exactly I'm trying to learn what it's like to be a great dad you know so it, it's for everybody you just got to be you show up and be you in life and why wouldn't you want to show up and give your best every day? Absolutely. And then speaking of best, I have a que- I have a question for you yep. because I'm not exactly a huge college football fan, right? Yep. But this is why I want to ask you this because I think it applies to people, everybody, like everybody, is that if you're working with the Alabama football team, yep. right, which is, like I said, probably the best in the world, right? I mean... And this, Coach Saban and, is arguably the greatest coach to ever coach anything. Exactly. This yep. co- Coach Saban. And the reason why... And so, like, if you're working with them, what do you see that they have that makes them... Like, what are they doing every single day differently than everybody else out there that makes them the best over and over and over again? So what is Nick Saban doing, or what is what are the tr- what are they doing habits daily? Yeah, Give so it to me. I think the the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Right, that's exactly what I and, always say. You're and, stealing all my lines, <laughs> Ben. I don't like this. And one of the things that we always talk about is standard over feelings. Don't allow your feelings to dictate how you show up. You got to live to the standard. Mm-hmm. So just because you won a football game on Saturday. On Sunday, you got to figure out what were the areas of opportunity? What did we miss, mm-hmm. right? What are the areas where maybe we underperform, where we need to improve so that next Saturday we can be better? So it's not de- allowing winning to define your success. It's every day just having this hunger to want to be the best that you can be. And the other thing I'll tell you about Alabama, and I experienced this at North Dakota State in four years working there with Coach Kleiman, who I'm now with at Kansas State, Similar type mindsets. They were winning one double A championships up there. So it's been a blessing to see these mm-hmm. two powerhouse teams go to work is that they live to that standard, but the relationships mean so much. You know, mm-hmm. you say like it's a brotherhood of this football team. And I've been in some locker rooms where it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a brotherhood. And I'm like, well, I don't see it. It's a bunch of selfish individuals only caring about themselves and their statistics. Right. And what you find in those places that are truly extraordinary, performing at the highest level, not that guys don't want to be the best that they can Mm -hmm. be and win awards and things of that nature, but they are fighting for each other. And it's almost like that one heartbeat mentality. Like if we're going to go to war, everybody's going to work every day and we're all going to give our best and we will beat with one heart when we go one play at a time on that Saturday. And does it come from him then, like Coach Saban? Because it doesn't matter who the team is at the time, it's always the best of the best. So he, it has to come, so what my question is, it has to come from the top down. It trickles from the top down. He's the most intentional human being I've ever met in my life. Right, so if he is that way, right, and when you work with him on this, then it, it comes from the top and it's this it's a standard that you said that people have to live up to or else they just won't make it right well, like, yeah one of my first uh times at alabama so I'm, I'm watching practice 
and I'm standing there right on the sideline, and the whistle blows to change drills, and Coach Saban, who's 67 years old, is on a dead sprint to the next drill. If your 67-year-old head coach is sprinting in between drills, <laughs> what do you think everybody else is doing, right? right? right, right You're not right. exactly going to be, like, walking to the next drill. So he, he that you are 100% correct. And I think there's a lot of leaders who don't necessarily lead by example. Right. He is so intentional. He leads by example. And it's just extraordinary, his intentionality, his focus, his leadership. And the players see it in how he speaks. They see it in running between drills. They see it in how intentional he leads other coaches. And intentionality is a big thing. And I think, I mean, you talk about habits and hustle, right? How do you apply? Okay, well, you're talking about maybe maybe somebody listening doesn't like football. Like, how does that apply to me? Right. Well, how intentional are you being in your life? Are you intentional enough to actually hustle? Right? Because a lot of people hustle, but do you really? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So right are, you, are you efficient with your time? Are you just saying, I get all this stuff done? Because everybody, oh, I don't have enough time. Well, you can go find time. I, I agree with you. So what, yeah. I'm, what I'm getting from this whole podcast so far is to take, you know, to basically to perform at your peak, you need a few things. You need purpose, first of all, right? Absolutely. And you need to have, have an intention. You have to have, you have to be intentional with everything you do, right? And have, and think, think not who you are, but who you want to be. And I think that to me is like a really big one because I think people get stuck with, well, I'm just that way, you know, that's who I am. But really, like if you really want to exceed, you know, extra extraordinary levels, you have to think of who you want to be later on and Correct. then work towards that goal. And that's what I've, that's basically, you the nailed thing. It. those are the three things that I've picked up from this so far. That's it. And you know, I think again, be having to change your behavior, you need to change your habits or your habits become your behavior, become your, how you think. Do you, what is your daily habits? What is your morning routine? I'm a big morning routine person. And so I need to know what your morning routine is. So my, what time do you wake up? 2.44. In the morning? In the morning. Yep. 2.44? 2.44. Do you have OCD? 44 is my favorite number. Oh. So 44 has always been my favorite number. So there's always Do you have OCD? I don't. I don't. No, 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 no. Not so, 245. <laughs> no, so 44 has always been my favorite number. So like everything has fours in it. So it's just kind of a goofy thing with me. Really? Yeah. So I, it, it, everything has four. So 44 is my favorite. Okay. So there's all, always a four. So why don't you wake up at 444? So I used to wake up at 444 and I recognize it wasn't enough time. So I know people hear that. I, I would never tell anybody to wake up at 244. No. Okay. The month of August. And this is a month where I am gone for my family a lot. Five training camp visits between NFL and college plus corporate speaking events. I'm on the road 20 days. Wow. Now, that's about the most I'll have for a month. Typically, it's not that much. But, you know, training camp months is really, really hard. Right. So because I travel so much, I speak 70 to 80 times a year all over the world. When I'm home, I have to be intentional with my time. And the reason why my morning routine, why I started waking up so early is at 6 a.m., you hear this little pitter-patter in my house. <laughs> and that pitter-patter is my kid's feet. And my routine, I better be done, I better be locked in, and I better be focused because at 6 a.m., that's daddy time. And when I'm home, I'm making my kids breakfast, I'm, you know, helping with lunches, mm -hmm. I'm helping get everything ready, I'm doing, right, watching shows, getting them dressed, taking them to school every day that I'm home. Because that's important to me. I don't want to say, well, I need to work out and be in shape for these athletes and individuals I work with. So, honey, I'm going to go to the gym. No, that's my kid's time. Mm -hmm. That's my time to be with my wife. 
I want to pick up my kids from school. I want to do all those things. So my morning routine, I get up that early so that I can work out. I can send, there's messages. There's a very intentional process to how I stay connected to the individuals that we work with. So it's messaging. Everybody's games are on the calendar. So there's things I have to do every single day. Plus, I'm putting my head in a book that's very, very important to me in my life. And so there's this whole process. What book? Or the Bible. It, oh, the Bible. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I thought maybe you, it's important for you to well, read it. Well, it's actually, I read Jesus Calling um, by Sarah Young, which is a great daily devotional. And that's how I connect to the Bible every day. But the 244, it was 314 for years. Now we're approaching a year at 244 because I wasn't reading enough. And so my commitment to my other coach, so I work with two coaches. I told Laura, my coach, I said, I need to start reading more. So I committed to one book a month, waking up 30 minutes earlier. It's an extra 10 hours a month. I've been banging out books like crazy. I've already read 16 books this year. I'll probably end up reading 20-something books. And it helps me stay sharp. Absolutely. Because if I'm, not, if I'm not reading and I'm like, oh, well, I work with this team and I work with this company. Right. I don't have to work on me. No, I have to work harder. Like it makes me hungrier to go chase down what it means to be the best that you can be. And for me, the morning time is where I find that. It's where I'm reading, it's where I'm connecting, it's where I'm getting organized. Mm -hmm. I send our team members kind of bullet points. Here's the focus for the day. Wow. And then that's always my first call after I drop off the kids at school, 8.15 to 8.30, I'm checking in with the team. Are we in alignment with what we're gonna do today? We focus on one day at a time. Right. So these aren't just things that we just say. We live these habits in how we serve other people every single day, but it is it is all driven by the morning routine. Absolutely, and it starts with yourself, like you said. You have to lead by example, and also the authentic the authenticity of it. If you're not doing it yourself, how do you go and tell someone else to do this? You got to lead by that example. So, what time do you go? What time do you go to bed then? Right like, after dinner. It's, like at no. eight. <laughs> like, what you, like what time do you go to bed? So I go to bed typically when the kids do like nine or nine thirty, unless one of the athletes we work with is Jeez. has a game. Then I might go to bed at eleven or eleven. 30. I, That's I've, not a lot of sleep. I've been, I've been blessed with actually not requiring a lot of sleep. Uh, but Do you know usually, all the studies that say that sleep is so important <laughs> to your overall wellness, wellness I, and health? I do. Five to six hours. is I, I usually can't even sleep past five to six hours. Okay. so That's about typically what I get. But you're basically like waking up in the middle of the night. Like I am. Okay. But, but do you know how many people bother me at that time? I could, well, they, <laughs> only because they know you're going to be awake. That's the thing. And then what about if you're travel, you travel so much, yep. so like on the road, what time are you waking I up? I wake up at the same time. Always 2.44. What if you're East Coast, West Coast, doesn't matter? So like, sometimes I'll wake up a little bit later if I, if I can or if the schedule, you know, allows because okay. I'm, I'm not, you know, getting everything ready for the kids. But typically I'll end up just staying on that schedule because it's wow. easier for me. But what'll end up happening is 2.44 is two hours later, three hours later on the East Coast. So like guys wow. and gals that get messages from me every day, they might text me like, where's my morning message? Why aren't, why haven't you messaged me? I'm like, I'm on the West Coast. I was asleep. Oh my God. That's so crazy. So then, okay. So then your first thing you, what you do when you wake up is you exercise, you work out. So typically it's social media. I'm kind of checking in on stuff that came like from overnight and the reason That's shocking. <laughs> Most people say they don't check social media. Well, when I say social media, it's me putting out my message for the day. So what I've found is that's a way to give. It's a positive action step that I take. So I immediately start my day oh. in a positive way. So I send out my messages to clients 
and then I send out the social media. So to me, like I am connecting to something that's very, very, very positive. So I do my own social media. There's a lot of people that don't. So like those morning messages, they come from me. Right. So it's what I am thinking about that morning at that time, and I'm putting out something positive. So that's what starts the routine. Okay. Then I, you know, you start the process of waking up, right? Because right? it is early. <laughs> yeah. So I read, drink tons and tons of water. You know, might have a little bit of a snack, get my pre-workout going, and then typically by four. Usually anywhere from 3.45 to 4.30 is when I'll start my workout, depending upon what I'm training that day, if it's weights, if it's hit cardio, if I'm doing laps in the pool, whatever it might be. And so I'll break out my time for my workouts. And then it's getting ready and showering up and making breakfast and wow. getting ready to hear that pitter-patter of the kid's feet. So you work out for how long in the morning usually? Typically I'll go for 60 to 75 minutes. Just depends on what I'm doing that particular day. So you basically do, so you do all your reading and your motivational like messaging before you do workout. anything before Correct. your workout. That's what gets my mind right. Right. And then you start the workout and then your kids come. Yep. So you don't, how about like most people, they sit here and they're like, Oh, I'm a big meditator. I love to meditate. I love to do this. I love to do that. Personally. I mean, I, I don't meditate cause I just, that's not my form of meditation. Yep. But so mine is, I read what's called my legacy statement. So that's part of the reading gotcha. part. Okay. So my legacy statement is one of those tools in the playbook. And that's where I'm connecting to the purpose, the prize fighter day, the vision, the I am statements. It's all on my phone. Right. And it takes me about a couple minutes to read it. And I just kind of read through and it just kind of speaks clarity into my mind of what I'm going to go fight for that day. So that's how I connect. And so I read that legacy statement every single morning. And then wow. that's before. So to me, you have to ask yourself the question. If you intentionally connect to your purpose every day, or you're going to read, okay, here are my action steps for the day, or here's what I'm fighting for, here's right. my... If you do that, what's the likelihood you're then going to do nothing? Right. Absolutely true. Exactly. Right? So, so too many people, they just get up and they go. It's like if you intentionally feed your mind with what you want, you're probably going to be more inclined to go do something about it. Absolutely. That's why I think the morning routine is so important. Like I, I think it makes people much more on point. So when you start... For me, like I mean, when if I eat if I eat a good breakfast or if I exercise, it keeps me much more conscious of what I'm going to eat the rest of the day. Or that if I'm working out, it gives me more energy, and I don't, you know what I mean? Like it kind of puts it, it sets your mind right yep. for the rest of the day. So that's what you're reading. So you're reading your you're reading all that stuff, and then reading books. And reading. So what book are you reading right now? So the book that I'm reading right now is called uh, the Champion's Mind. Uh, it's by a sports psychologist, Dr. Afro. Okay. Um, However, the best book I've read this year okay. is Hands Down, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Oh, everyone's – that book has, has crushed. <clears throat> it's been like the number one best – it was like the so, number one bestseller forever. It, it, the book is incredible. Yeah, it is taking good. my thinking to a whole nother level. Uh, Goggins and I actually spoke at Alabama training camp together last year. So we were separate days, but wow. so we were at practice together. And so I spoke on Friday night. He spoke on Saturday night, and we spent Friday afternoon at practice together. And he is – he, the guy's just on a whole nother level. A whole, I, I exactly. mean, just even talking to him, it, he's just, it is a whole nother level of right. human being. And here's what I always share with people because I'll, I'll recommend to a client, read Can't Hurt Me. Mm -hmm. And there's some other great books I've read this year, but read Can't Hurt Me. And they'll read it and they're just, oh my God, like these pull-ups and these, I'm not going to run an ultra right. marathon. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, it's crazy I said, next I said I'm not going to run an ultra marathon either. But I said, how about you use this as an example as an example of how you want to push harder in some area of your life. Right. So you, just because somebody reads this book, for everybody listening, it doesn't mean you have to go run a 200-mile race. But like what area of your life are you ready to challenge yourself right now? Right. And that book has caused me to challenge myself in so many different areas. It's, it's been extraordinary. 
Uh, another one, Habits of High Performance by Brendan Burchard yeah, was a great book. That's a good one. Atomic Habits by James Clear was a I great book. I love that book. Ed Milet Max Out was awesome. I learned so much about Ed Milet. And, really? Uh, I should write that down. Yeah, so Ed, just a strong man of faith and strong man of vision, you know, had a tremendous story of, of being down in the doldrums in terms of business and believing in himself to do what he's done. That was a very short read, but awesome read. Right. No, yeah. that's good to know. I mean, yeah, but those are the things that get me books, right. Yeah, yeah. I, love all those, <clears throat> I love all those habit books also. But you just said something before. You said, uh, oh, yeah, this is what I was going to ask you. Um, what, what did the David Goggins book, uh, what did it make you want to work on more that you did? And where are you with that whole... Yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you, cool. you, you'll, you'll probably like this answer. So it's now I've instilled 30 day challenges in my life. So in the book, mm -hmm. he talks about a 30 day challenge. So I'm reading the book and the first one, he says, what's something that really scares you that, that you just haven't started that you need to do. And I have this client of my name, this client of mine, his name is Josh Kahneman, Josh and Rochelle Kahneman. And Josh planks for 20 straight minutes on the days that he lifts. Oh my God. Okay. 20 straight minutes. What is he doing in the plank? So every time, just... Planks. Isn't he bored? So he listens to podcasts oh, or he listens, gotcha. okay. listens to music. So I heard this and every time I go in there, I'm like, bro, like talk about mental toughness. That's like, that is crazy to me. So that planking was one of those things which was just like, how could somebody possibly do that? Yeah. So I'm reading Goggin's book and I write down planks. Okay. And then he's like, all right, you got to take action on it. Now I already trained so hard in all these other areas. I just, I started making excuses, right? right. So here, here I am the coach making excuses. And I'm like, well, gosh, I'm training so hard. I'm so on, in tune with my nutrition. I had reset that. So I'm doing all this stuff. I'm good. Right. Took me about two weeks to get started. And finally I said, I'm doing this plank challenge. I'm going to start a plank challenge. And the furthest I, longest I'd ever planked was five minutes. So I told myself I'm going to start at four minutes mm -hmm. and then I'm going to add two seconds every single day. And I'm going to get to five minutes after 30 days. All right. So here I am. I charted out. I got it on my phone. I'll kind of track it. So I get through the fourth day. It's the fifth day. I'm speaking in Sacramento. And there were three of the leaders from the organization that wanted to train with me in the morning. So they wake up, they come meet me in my hotel. We're training and I'm telling them I'm doing this plank challenge. I'm at four minutes going up by two seconds. And one of the guys looks at me. And he's like, dude, you could plank for five minutes right now. That's not a challenge. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is my challenge. Like, I'm fired up about this. It took me two weeks just to start the darn thing. Right, right, right. And he's like, dude, you could do it right now. And so I accepted that challenge from him. So number one, I hope what people hear is, took me a little while to start, right? So we got to mm -hmm. figure it out. We got to start. And I still protected myself. I was like, well, five minutes would be great. It's the longest I've ever done. I'll build back up to it. But I was protecting myself. So I started making 15 second jumps every single day. Some days I would do 30 seconds. By the 30th day, I did a 16 minute plank. Now, so I didn't get to the 20, like my okay, client. But it's but I went, progress. It's progress. I went to 16. I did something yes. that was, so five minutes is what I thought I was going to do. I shifted the challenge in the fifth day, really took on the challenge. And then I went as long as I possibly could on that last day and went to 16 minutes. So now what that, that's done is it's helped me realize that 30-day challenges is where I want to live. Because a 30-day challenge, I can touch it, I can taste it, I can feel it. And I can break that down to one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And the day that I win with that challenge, like I know that I'm almost there. And if I keep resetting that, there's all these areas. And we started to implement it into our coaching. Our clients are loving it. I'm currently in the middle of doing it. It's called the unrequired challenge. So you do this on top of your regular workouts. And she's, Jen's going to be in on this yeah, one. Yeah, I might be, yes. So on top of your regular training, mm -hmm. okay, so today was my seventh day. I had to do it at the hotel here in L.A. along with my treadmill hit training. <laughs> 
So it's on top of your regular training. Uh -huh. Unless it was an off day, you still have to do it. So 30 straight days, it's 250 air squats straight, uh -huh. a four minute plank straight, a four minute reverse plank, hands under butt, feet six inches off the ground, uh -huh. straight, followed by 44 push-ups straight. Four minutes of a reverse plank? Yep, so the plank. Yeah, I know, I do it all the time. It, hands under the butt, yeah. Four minutes of a reverse plank, which people don't realize that reverse plank is actually harder, it's harder. than regular planking. And it's also important, which we're going on a whole tangent <clears throat> yeah. here, but because your body's so well, you, used you to Well, you wrote badass body goals. <laughs> I'm, I'm preaching to the choir I, I, on this one. I know this one, exactly. <laughs> you're, now, now you're talking to my lane. But like, I think it's really important to do the reverse of everything you do, like normally right mm. so if you're walking like i like to walk on the treadmill backwards because you're so used to always walking forwards about like to balance out everything it's all about wow. balance right so anyway that's a good i like that challenge would you write can some, i'm gonna get that I'm so gonna i've got listen i can actually it. i can send you i'll just uh, yeah, send you the image it. i'm gonna try it how and long does it are, take it takes me about 15 minutes okay. i do it straight some people they're doing it it's 22 minutes 20 and i've encouraged everybody if you can't do one of them straight Take little breaks and just build yourself Absolutely. up to the ability to do it. But it's a crusher, especially when you're doing that on top of your regular workout. So to right. me, this word, the unrequired, which came from a book that a guy named uh, Kevin Eastman wrote, mm -hmm. former assistant coach for the Clippers. So Kevin mm -hmm. Eastman talks about the unrequired, so I love it. The unrequired is what other people can't see, they won't do, that you choose to make a priority. That's and so to me, that unrequired, so that because of Goggins, I now, it's all these 30 day challenges. So it's constantly just pushing to figure out like, I've got more, I can do more. And I think we, we just have this natural tendency as humans to just settle and to not push for that next level. And you know what? I'm just going to keep breaking myself until I feel like you can't get any more. Right. And I just keep finding more and finding more. That's why I hired another coach. And so it's one of those things, just like the push and the challenge, I just thrive on that every day right. to figure out what we're really made of. Yeah. And what's ended up happening was these 30-day challenges, I'm more focused. I feel like I'm a better husband right now. I'm a better father right now. I'm actually more focused on all these areas by reading, more, doing all this. So I'm doing more than I ever have. Right. And I feel like I'm more focused, more productive, and my energy is through the roof. That's amazing. I, I also like those 30-day challenges because when people say, well, where do I start? How do I start? And anything in life, if you give a finite period of time, like 30 days, any, you, you, can, you can convince yourself to do anything just for 30 days. And once you make, make that happen, typically a lot of times, once you've it becomes like ingrained in you. That's when the habit becomes a habit, right? They say yep. like three or four weeks. So then <clears throat> most likely you'll continue or most likely like it will, it can jumpstart you. Or some basically. portion of that will continue. That's the thing. That's the thing. It can yes. jumpstart whatever it is. And you know what you're doing there? You're building confidence. Yes. And confidence. most people, they don't realize like the reason why you're telling exactly. me no or you don't want to start is because there's a fear, there's a doubt, there's, there's some confidence that's been lost. So you know what? Do the challenge for that. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you hear that and go, that is the craziest darn, unre this dude is off his rocker. That is crazy to do something like that. Then you know what? Start with 10 push-ups in a row. Start with a 30-second plank. Mm -hmm. Start with a 30-second. Go find your version of it and build your confidence like you're saying. Absolutely. It's so much better to do that than to choose to do nothing because that does not feed your confidence. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm going to add one more thing and then I'm going to wrap this up because I know it's been forever is that even though you're doing that particular challenge, that is a physical challenge, what you get out of it is not just physical. It builds everything else. It builds your confidence, yeah. it builds your health with your mental, your, your, your mindset, your, your self-esteem, all the stuff that you get from outside the physical. 
the physical just helps the mental. Yep. That's what I always say. The physical is the easy part. That's why balance is important. Mm -hmm. That's why all these coaches who preach, oh, just work really hard and take time off, you're missing the boat. I don't believe somebody can show up and be their best if they're not eating right, doing some form of, of fit, getting your body moving. You don't have to train like we train, but and, like doing right. something. But to just say, I'm not going to do that because I'm busy working, you're not going to perform at your highest level because you're not going to feel good about yourself. Absolutely. And also all the studies that show that your cognitive abilities when you actually work out and exercise is, is exponentially higher and better when you work out. I think we could have a whole other podcast Absolutely. basically on this. This is a whole other area. But because of where I don't know how long it's been forever, but uh, I'm going to say wrap it up because <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. But thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for tell, having me. Tell people where they can find you and everything else so go so ahead so stay connected at, at continued fight that's all of our social media so with what i've been through in my life with my mom i believe life mm -hmm. is a fight so just continue that fight keep writing your story but it's at continued fight and i look forward to hearing from everybody maybe somebody's going to dm me with what their 30-day challenge is but maybe. i want to leave everybody with a because uh, you know people always say well tell them how to find you like we'll stay connected if you want to stay connected right 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 I want to leave you with a quote, and the quote's from my mom, and it's the greatest life lesson I've ever learned, and that lesson is it's not how long you live, it's how you choose to live your life. So habits and hustle can be for everybody if you choose it. So I would say to everybody, if you were listening, some 30-day challenge, find some area of your life, even if it's being more present and focused with your kids. Maybe it's nutrition. Maybe it's working out. Maybe it's something you pull from being more focused at work. Start to make some different choices in how you show up every day, and I promise you, your life's going to change. That's a great way to end it. Thank you. That's Thank a you. great way to end it. Bye. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.